This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio this morning, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, forgot my glasses, so I'm having a little struggle with my notes here. You know, <laughs> the advancing age, the eyes don't work the way they used to. So we'll we'll uh, we'll make every effort. Also joining us in studio. Uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf and uh, frequent uh, visitor to the Nazawali Sports Hour, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you? Well, Happy New Year, guys. Oh, thank you very much. I know happy New Year to you. <laughs> well, it hasn't been a good year so far, but I'll... I'll I, move on. I, I was gonna, I was gonna move on from this topic, but oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're not bringing this up, are you? You're wearing the Alabama shirt this morning. Uh, to both of you, uh, Roll Tide guys, my uh, my sincere condolences and. Uh, Hope springs eternal. I'm sure they'll uh, next year we'll be back and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be going after the national championship again. Well, they probably will be because they're ranked number one going into 2017. So it's just tough to lose the way they did. It, well, you know, they... it's, it was a great game altogether, uh, and you really don't like to see it go down to the last play of the game uh, as it as it happened. But it's one of those things that until the referees make one call, the rules aren't going to change. Nas parting Alabama shots. Uh, Clemson deserved to win. They played a pretty good game. So, what can I say? Alabama is going to be strong for the next ten years. Notre Dame, <laughs> not so sure. I, 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 <laughs> you got uh, you got me where where my weak point there. Now, that's good for you. Anyways, we just want to tell our listeners we've got we got an awesome show today. We've got two legends uh, lined up for interviews. Uh, two of the greatest broadcasters in Canadian sports history. Uh, if not the greatest in their own way and in their own sport, uh, Naz, I'll let you. Uh, I'll uh, I'll let you announce uh, who we're going to be talking to after the first break. After the first break, we're going to have Dave Van Horn, uh, legendary uh, broadcaster with the Expos and the Mi- Miami Marlins. He'll be on uh, around nine fifteen today, and uh, Dave uh, has called many many a game. And uh, Tim Raines is looks like a lot going into the Hall of Fame, and he ha- he was. With Tim Raines for most of his career, so he'd be able to talk about Tim, the iconic, iconic voice of of Dave Van Horn, and another uh, another iconic voice and uh, a national treasure. Uh, we've uh, tried to line him up again today. He did the broadcast last night in Montreal, of course. The legendary Bob Cole. Uh, hopefully, uh, his travel plans will allow us. Uh, we've got him scheduled for nine thirty this morning, and hopefully, his uh, his travel plans will allow us to chat with him. He's got a new book out called Now I'm Catching On, The Life On and Off the Air, Bob Cole. And we certainly want to chat to Bob Cole. Dave Van Horn, Bob Cole, wow. Up, up, and away. Up, Remember up, and that? away. Anyways, talking about up, up, and away, the blue and white. Wow. What a great start to the year. 
back impressive. To, first, back. first in the NHL on the road on the power play. First in the NHL on the PK on the road this year. What's going on, Yes? I guess they're playing a Babcock system, and the young players have developed. What else can you say? And the goaltending has been very steady. Anderson's played very, very well, and uh, it shows in the standings now. Lou? I, I think they've more or less they've adapted uh, the way this game is going around. It's all about speed and skill. And, and you look at the young kids. You look at Matthews. You look at uh, Hyman. You look at uh, Connor uh, Brown. Uh, you look at Marner. Uh, these guys are all a mixture of skill, a uh, little bit of grit, and they're capitalizing on the power play. And now teams are going to be scared to take runs at them because they are a small team uh, because they're going to bury them uh, with their power play. How much of this, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a pleasure watching them because they have that youthful exuberance um, and they bring passion. It seems like they bring passion to almost, uh, almost every game. And, uh, you know, they, they completely restructured uh, Brandon Shanahan, Lou Lamorello, um, Kyle Dubas, Mark Hunter, my, uh, Babcock. Um, they've got the structure of an organization and they're getting results. I would, I would um, even go so far as to say they're getting results earlier than they had expected they would uh, because they are, and Naz, I want, I want you to jump in here. They are a legitimate playoff oh, definitely, threat. Definitely. And we've also talked about um, in the playoffs where we're also, you know, uh, now that they made this, this move this week, they brought in a bat and it's already paid dividends. Now you've got a goalie. You're not giving away two points. The team's going out there every single night with the expectation that they've got a goalie back there who's going to stop the puck. And certainly that changes the way a team plays. That gives a team hope and a total legitimate playoff threat. And who knows how far they could go if they get in the playoffs. I think you have to give most of the credit to Babcock. He's turned some guys around like Nazem Kadri. Did we ever think he would play number one against their top centers and number two score 18, 19 goals already in the, during the season? Like Babcock has turned certain guys around and he's done a great job and you got to give him the credit, I think, Wally. Well, Lou? You, I think it's a structure uh, and it all comes down to that. Even last year, you saw when they first came in, um, they brought all these high-priced uh, suits and it was more or less you do it my way or you don't do it at all or you're going to do it on another team. And the players have gotten the message. And, and this year with Kadri, uh, he's not one of my favorite players on, on that team, along with Gardner, but he's bought into the Babcock system. When they signed to a long-term contract in the summer, they probably told him, listen, we're going to use you against all the top lines in the National Hockey League. And this is what we want you to do. And we're going to see whether you can do it or not. And he has, he has fulfilled uh, um, whatever the, the conversation that they had. And, and in years gone by, it's always the players who used to look over the shoulder, well, who's going to be coaching me next? Who's going to be the next GM? I'm going to do it this way because I'm getting paid the most, and, and they're going to take it. Now it's like if you don't play the Babcock way, if you don't play on, on the wrong side, on the right side of the puck, on the de- defensive side, if you don't back check, if you don't work, if you don't forecheck hard, you're not going to play, plain and simple. And everybody from Connor Brown, Zach Hyman, uh, you look at Nylander, uh, started uh, off on the first or second line this year. They moved him down to the fourth because his work habits were not there. Uh, it's just plain and simple, boys. You're going to work hard. The results will be there. Give us time. And the players are, st- are starting to see the fruition off the tree right now. Anyways, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be a hot-button topic of discussion 
every single day from now, certainly till the uh, tread de deadline, because, you know, we, we didn't know which way uh, Lamorella was, is going to go, and we still don't know, depending on, uh, depending on where the Leafs are in the thick of it, and what, what the, certainly some serious decisions are going to have to be made at that deadline. Uh, we've got to go to break, because we've got uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster, uh, former voice of the Montreal Expos, and uh, we'll be right back with Dave Van Horn. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. You get two Ponzerotti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings, I say for sure. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. That's nineteen ninety nine. A deal, for real, a steal. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, word. If you live and breathe basketball, Saturday's just got a whole lot better. Brand new to Yes TV, the Canadian Basketball League is a new home of great basketball action in Canada. Playing every Saturday on Yes TV. Good players, great basketball, international rules. Watch the full coverage live every Saturday at 8 p.m. on Yes TV. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. We've been trying to get a hold of Dave Van Horn, uh, unfortunately, without success so far this morning, but we'll keep trying. Uh, just before we went to break, we were, uh, we were talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, NAS, and uh, we're, in the, we're in the rush to trade deadline, and uh, certainly some interesting decisions that uh, Lou Lamorello and company are going to have to make. Uh, doesn't look like you want to... I know, wouldn't the, be the, the guy they've been talking about... Pat. Really? I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they stand pat. They've been talking about Van Riemsdyk, and they've been talking about Bozak. Um, if you're a playoff team, um, do, you, uh, do, you, do, you, do you let them, do you trade them for picks? What do you do? No, I don't think so. I think you play them. If you're in the playoffs, the, least, the, the reason why the Leafs are hard to play against is because you can't defense three lines in the NHL, and they have three good ones right now. And by trading Van Riemsdyk or Bozak, that eliminates that, right? Uh, ben Reeves, like, to me, is a top six forward. Bozak's is a third-line player. But uh, I would keep them both. 
Lou, you got that forlorn look on your uh, on your visage. You're contemplating life or you're contemplating the trade deadline? No, well, I think oh, the right, hold on. Like... Did I just understand that you agree with Naz Marquise? <laughs> I said he what makes happened? sense. I didn't say agree. I said it makes there sense. Must be, there must be. A, was there a full moon out last night? There what was, wasn't there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, tell us why Nas makes sense. Why does he well, make sense? Well, obviously, you're, you're not going to you're not going to play around with a good thing right now. And right now, they have a real good thing because they can pretty well throw three lines out you at any uh, at any time of the game, and, and they're going to score goals. And their fourth line does their job with um, who do they got? They got Goche and um, Matt Martin and uh, Soskin. Uh, so, uh, but I can see them. Dealing Van Reams, like if they're going to move up, if they can get a defenseman that can move up into the one two as a defenseman, they'll do it. Bozak, I think, is uh, is, is that realistic? Much... You're going to find a defenseman? No, it's not realistic. They don't move not, one two. Come on, let, let, let's get serious. One twos don't get moved at the trade deadline unless, unless you're Seth Jones and you're trading him for you know a top three forward, but uh, you, you never say never. Uh, because okay. they, they do have they do have enough depth. They have enough young guys uh, that they can package and get that uh, quality of the defenseman that they're looking at. Well, well, but, let, but again, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, you, you've got depth and you've got some young guys you can package. You care to uh, care to share any names there that you would think would make an interesting part of a package? Do you really want to know? I, well, that's what. Yeah, I put Nylander in a package with Van Riemsdyk for. Uh, for whomever's out there, uh, Jacob Truba. Oh boy! Interesting, Naz. Oh boy! You agree giving with up. your uh, your your soulmate here, Lou Francesco? That's giving up a lot for uh, Truba. Yeah, that's giving up a lot. But yeah. again, I look at players and I. Why does Nylander get kicked off the top two lines? Because obviously he's been in the doghouse with. Uh, you're not going to you're not going to trade Nylander unless you have somebody to replace him. If they have somebody in the minors, maybe you can maybe. Winnipeg will throw in somebody else. The year that Lienlander, uh got drafted, I do a mock draft every year when when they're going through it. They made a big mistake. They should have drafted Nick Ellers, who was the next pick to Winnipeg. A lot more consistent a hockey player, the same kind of hockey player. The only thing that Nylander gives you is a little bit of flash and dash. He, he's, he'll, he'll take people out of their seats because of what he can do. But the problem with Nylander, he doesn't do it every single game. And that's a problem that Nazem Kadri had his first couple of years here. The guy that's going to get traded out of Winnipeg is going to be Bufflin. Would you, what would you give up for Bufflin? Oh, boy. Uh, He's going to get traded out of Winnipeg. Uh, you know what? That's a good question. And again, he's the enigma. Which yeah. Bufflin are you going to get? Are you going to get the Bufflin that was in Chicago? Or are you going to get the Bufflin that's been in Winnipeg the last couple of years? Now, maybe with Babcock being the godsend that he is, maybe he might be able to turn Bufflin around. But he's also making $7 million. Yeah. Right? There, there's a... And, and you look, the, big kick, the big thing here is his age. You look at Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba was only 23 years old. Yeah. If, you can put a, if you could swing a big deal together, and I just threw Nylander out there because of the doghouse uh, situation, you know, they could make a five- or six-player swap here. First, uh, you know, picks going back and forth, and I know uh, Winnipeg needs a big shakeup right now because yeah, they're they they're really they're not going anywhere. And there's a team with a lot of young talent. They, they yeah. do have a lot of young talent. They, they were talked about three years ago when they knocked when they almost uh, knocked off, I think it was Anaheim, uh, where they played Anaheim in the first round. They were the upcoming team to be in the Stanley Cup Finals in the next year or two because of all the young talent they, 
that they had. And now with Lanny being hurt, sure, it's going to hurt them. But, you know, you never know. Two teams going in different directions. Well, yeah, the Leafs are rising and the Winnipeg's going in the hole. It's just a matter of, do the Leafs want to wreck a good thing right now? Or are they going to wait till the offseason to, to deal Van Riemsdyk because his, his contract is very affordable? Obviously, you're not going to get Bozak because he, he's going to go to the highest bidder or, or go somewhere else. But you never really know. It, it's just one of those things that if you really want to shake things up and, and send a, uh, a team a message in Winnipeg and, and maybe even in Toronto, says, listen, guys, we're going to go for it this year. We need that big rock right-handed shot on, uh, on the back end. They might do it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Van Riemsdyk because he's always mentioned in the uh, in the uh, in the rumors and the scuttlebutt that uh, he's he's one he's one player that has market value. He's on a reasonable contract and would bring something back. But in 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 some ways, uh, you know, you use the word world class player. Um, you know, he's he's he's. He's at a he's a top end player. I'm not so sure I would use the word elite, but he's good enough to have played on the top line on the American team at the Sochi Olympics. Uh, he's uh, he's an extremely talented player, and and he's not that old. And the Leafs have progressed very very quickly, a lot quicker than they thought they would have progressed. And in fact, I I can see them being a contending team. F- filling in a couple of holes, like a one or a two defenseman. I can see them being a contending team in, in two years, uh, two, three years. Um, why move, Ram, why, why move Ram, Van Riemsdyk out of town? Because well, he's young enough to be good enough to be a top six player on a Leaf contending team in two or three years. Why move him out of town? Because it's a business decision. They may not be able to afford him, right? It's not, that, it's not that they can't afford him. They just think that the tail end of his contract that he's going to ask for is probably six years. He's not going to be the James Van Riemsdyk. And I'm not sure with all the young kids that they've got coming up right now that they can fit him into the salary slot that, that he's asking for because he's probably going to be asking for anywhere from 6 and a half to $7 million. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And remember, on a six-year deal, you might get the Van Riemsdyk that we're looking at for first two years, but then you're going to swallow the last four or five years and for them, it's really it's not a, a very smart business decision. If they can deal him, uh, I'm not saying now, but uh, either at the deadline, depending on where they are in, in the standings, or at the draft this year, uh, I think they're going to benefit down the road uh, because of all the young kids uh, coming up. You know, what are you going to pay Nylander? What are you going to pay Marner? What are you going to pay uh, Hyman, Connor Brown, um, Austin Matthews? You know, at the end of their deals. Yeah, Chicago. Uh, Chicago yeah. ended up in the same situation where they had to dump contracts. Okay, too. gentlemen, yeah. I'm going to have to interrupt you. Oh. I apologize, but we have on the line Bob Cole. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Uh, I'm very fine. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining us, Bob. Uh, it's certainly a privilege to have you back on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. And uh, I know you've got a new book out, and it's called "Now I'm Catching On: My Life on and Off the Air." Uh, and Bob, I just want to let you know, I actually found this book underneath my Christmas tree. Uh, I oh, did, nice! I, I didn't ask for it. My kids uh, bought it uh, unsolicited, and uh, I've read it cover to cover. And uh, um, great book! It was with uh, 
with you and Stephen Brunt. And I, I just want to tell our listeners, if you're, if you're looking for a great book on the life and times of Bob Cole, uh, certainly go out and get it. It's called Now I'm Catching On, My Life On and Off the Air, Bob Cole. And it's, it's an incredible life, Bob. And I just want to give the listeners an idea of the varied career that you've had. You've been, uh, you've been a pilot. You've flown a sl- snowbird. You've skipped a briar curling team. Um, you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You're a member of the Order of Canada. You called, you broadcasted the Bob Beeman long jump at the 1968 Olympics. And, my, and, my, and for me, my, uh, my personal uh, uh, remembrance from you of all of this is you hosted something that was important to me because I was part of my high school team. You actually hosted Reach for the Top in in St. John's for 10 to 13 years. An incredible career, Bob, but it's a career that's still going because you actually, you did the Montreal Canadiens broadcast uh, last night. Uh, An incredible career. Two or three highlights, Bob? Two or three highlights. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I I can't believe there are so many things that have happened since uh, I came into the world a few years ago. But uh, I hadn't stopped very much, it seems. And I hope you enjoyed the book. It's just uh, uh, trying to uh, recollect what happened over my days and how I got into radio and how I got to TV and and what I wanted to do, which was maybe flying uh, commercially as a career or maybe the RCAF or somewhere along that line. I loved aviation. It's an intriguing thought and uh, oh I, I still I still uh, kind of salute uh, the airline captains when they walk by they all look so bright and sharp and and uh, it's, a, it's a it's a wonderful fashion and and they're uh, top of the line people in my books Bob you, uh, uh, earlier in the week was the 41st year anniversary of your call against the uh, Red Army team um they're going home. Did, where, did, where did that come from? Was that just off the cuff, or how did that happen? Always off the cuff. When you're live TV, everything is off the cuff, I can tell you. It, uh, and it just, it just happened. Uh, you know, where we were situated, uh, we're very low in the old Spectrum building in Philadelphia, and uh, we, were, we were directly behind the Soviet bench, maybe 30 feet or so, or, something like that. So we're very close. And that's where the discussion took place after the Ed Van Imp hit, the coaching and the players were all going over the hit and wondered why Mr. Gilmore is not calling the penalty. He didn't. Lloyd Gilmore, the NHL referee. And uh, so they, whatever made that decision, we were all wondering what the heck was going on and or I think I heard him more, something like that. If you don't get back on the ice right now, you're going to receive a penalty for a delay of game or some such thing. So they talked a little further in their Soviet language, and it was uh, rapid-fire goings-on, and they just made the decision, I guess, oh, we're out of here. We're not taking this. So they turned and left. And we're looking down at them. We could see their faces, and they're all staring straight ahead. And it looked like they're leaving. They're going home. And it just 
happened in the, the South Part of us crazy broadcasting at the time, but good God, they're still playing around the country. It's a crazy, crazy world. <laughs> it's it's not a crazy world, Bob. It's a it's a call that is indel- indel- indelibly etched in the memories of, of so many of us. Uh, I want to go to page 185 of your book, Bob. And, uh, you know, you are, you are a hero to a lot, of, uh, a lot of young broadcasters and a lot of uh, broadcasters in Canada. But you had your heroes, too, when, uh, when you got your start in, in the business. And one of those heroes uh, in, 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 it was Danny Gallivan. And um, your, why was Danny Gallivan a hero to you, Bob? Well, I guess he was somewhere and doing something where I wanted to be and wanted to do someday. And uh, it, it started a little before that with Foster Hewitt. I admired the way these people worked their job. In those days, there were only one or two of them, three or four at the most that we heard. And uh, first it was Foster, and then Danny came right along with the Montreal Canadiens when they were covering both Toronto and Montreal. At one time, it was just Toronto. And Danny was from the Maritimes, of course, and he had, so lovely, he had such a lovely sound. And, uh, and he, he was so energetic and so passionate about the game that uh, it came through in a broadcast. And it was a pleasure. You were a hockey fan, and you had a team, and you, you wanted to cheer for one team or the other, and uh, that's what makes it so good, You're, you're part of it all. You're, you, it, it may not be all important in, in, in uh, uh, life's day today, but uh, it, it's very important to to whomever in its in its own way. And you 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 listen with a passion, and when it's produced in a passion and sounds passionate, well, I I think uh, I don't know how to sum it up, but it's. Uh, it's a great feeling doing a hockey game and having having the viewer along with you and and enjoying the game. Bob, so, Bob, tell me your I, meeting with with Mickey Mantle. Uh, sorry, Fagan. Tell, tell me about your meeting Mickey Mantle in your. Oh, that was incredible too. I mean. We were all sports fans, I guess, and the Yankees were the Yankees, and uh, and uh, and I think they captured our imagination with DiMaggio and along came Mickey Mantle and and his group, and uh, the fifties and sixties were great baseball years with the New York Yankees, and uh, uh, pair of buddies and myself, we decided we're going to take a trip to New York. So I had been there working on the uh, ocean liner a few years ago, and so I knew a little about a little bit about getting around. And uh, we were only in our early 20s, so we took off. And we, we bought a car in Toronto, a used car, and we drove the rest of the way down the New York Thruway to Yankee Stadium. We uh, somehow got tickets, and... At that game, after the game, I saw when Mel Allen was broadcasting. I was working in radio at this time now back home. 
and uh, got a job as an announcer, a DJ, news reader, and whatever. So I went over and introduced myself to Mel Allen after the game, and he was so courteous and, and uh, oh, he had a warm personality. He was great. And I was thrilled to meet him. And he said, you know, you're going to be here a couple of days. Let me pick something up for you. So he called Bob Fischel, who was the PR man with the Yankees. He got me and my two friends free tickets for a morning's game. And he got me a pass for the field and dugout. So my goodness, before the game, before the players even came up the tunnels to the dugout, I was sitting in the Yankee dugout waiting for everything to start. And Gil McDougall was the first player on that. He walked in and saw me sitting there all alone, so he introduced himself, and away we go. And other guys were out by this time just throwing the ball, and batting practice started. And he took me out on the field and uh, called Mickey out of the batting cage and introduced me to Mick and with a little chat, a little brownie camera, and I took a picture, and took two, actually. And uh, Mickey didn't think the first one to come out with no flash on it, and he said, you should put it, get a flash in there, you got a flash? And I said, yeah. Well, I didn't know much about cameras. He didn't know about it, so I pressed in the little, little bulb and turned around and took another picture of Mickey. So I got them both home now. It's a great memory. We're talking to Bob Colton. We're talking about... Uh... The Life and Times of Bob Cole, his book, Now I'm Catching On, My Life On and Off the Air. Bob, we won't keep you much longer, but uh, a couple of uh, areas I do want to do want to ask you about. And there is on page 128 of your book, you talk about the gentleman that uh, spent so much time in the booth with you over the years. That, of course, was Harry Nail. And that was... Uh, that was certainly... You describe it as uh, chemistry, and you, you talked about your call at the St. Um, at the Salt Lake Olympics, uh, the infamous call when uh, when Joe Sackick uh, put the game away, and it's one of your great calls. But Harry came in and 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 said a, and said a few things right after your call, and, and you describe it as uh, both of you. The important part of being a broadcaster is having a feel for the game, and certainly Bob Cole and Harry Neal. Uh, an incredible broadcast duo. You're, uh, what what made Harry Neal so special, the way you described them in your book? Well, you seem to put your finger on it pretty well. I congratulate you. That's great. You described that uh, just fine, having a feel for the game. Well, Harry was a hockey player, grew up in Ontario, and got to uh, win a junior Canadian championship. So he went on to into the National Hockey League, and he was coaching, and uh, he did all, all kinds of things for hockey. And then he got into broadcasting, which was great. We uh, loved it. And he and I were together for, I can't guess how many games, a lot, but, but Harry was part of the game, too. You know, he felt it. And, uh, and he was so timely. He was so humorous. He was so on the money with his timing, and uh, he knew when not to talk and when to talk. And the game was the thing, and that was the most important thing. And I hope that's the way I feel uh, when I'm working the game. And and you mentioned the Joe Sackett goal, and because there was a, quite a bit of tension there. In this Olympic gold medal game, Canada had won a gold medal in 50 years or something like that. And 
And when Sackett took off, he and I were a little thing going off the ice every day where he needed to see me. He was a little superstitious, and uh, he touched my cap one day, I remember, and fixed a peak uh, baseball hockey night in Canada cap. And he said, oh, that looks better. And he played a great game that night, so he figured he better touch my cap again every day they played. So he did. He walked by and just maybe touched it and kept going. Didn't say a word, but anyway, so when he got the break and we needed another goal to relieve the tension that was obvious late in the game and we were up by two goals, but the U.S. had a scary-looking team, you know, and uh, they could they could easily get two goals. Anyway, Sackick got the break and he was clear, gone, and Joe Sackick and bang, oh, and I think I said something like, Surely that's got to be it. And Harry was perfect. Jumped right in after a second and said, that's more than enough. And and the crowd was, ah, it was a great moment, you know. So that's feeling the game. Harry was terrific at that. Bob, I know I know you've got to get on with your day, and we really appreciate the the amount of time uh, you've taken with us on this Sunday morning. I know you called the game last night, and your Sunday's usually a travel day for you. And uh, uh, one last question, uh, Bob: How long are you going to keep doing this? As long as I can keep enjoying it, and and those of you who watch and listen enjoy it too. And if I can. Like the book says, get it right, uh, and uh, now I'm catching on. It's uh, I don't know if I ever will, but I'll keep trying. Bob, your comment on on the lease. What what are your impressions of the lease being your favorite team? Of course, I wish I could get a chance to see them. I haven't <laughs> seen them yet. I've seen them play yet. I've caught a little bits and pieces on TV, but I think Toronto should be excited. They've got a young looking team, and and. And the young guys they have, the new people, are showing all kinds of signs of having a terrific hockey career. And, uh, wow, I'd, I'd love to get a chance to work them for a bit. We'll see. Bob, we're going to let you go. I just want to uh, um, uh, finish off with a little uh, little, uh, little uh, comment. Uh, last April 13th. Uh, there were, I think, about six or seven NHL playoff games on TV that night. And uh, somebody tweeted to me, which game are you watching? And I simply tweeted back, whichever game Bob Cole is announcing. And if there's ever more than one hockey game on, I always seek out the one that you're announcing. You are still a national treasure, my friend. Uh, You are an incredible broadcaster. You're still going at it. Uh, and I hope you're still going at it for many, many more years. We we certainly uh, appreciate your talents and uh, everything you've done for the game of hockey. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, and safe travels. Very kind words, and I appreciate them, every one of them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks great so much. Great talking to you. Oh, great talking to you, Bob. Thank you so much. Uh, Naz, a legend. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Bob Cole, uh, to me... If not the greatest hockey broadcaster of all time, I've certainly got him up there one two with Danny Gallagher. Well, Hockey Night in Canada should should listen to what Bob Cole just said. He wants to do a Leaf game, and it would be fitting for him to be 
doing a Toronto Maple I mean, Leaf He game. did those Leaf games for all those years. Now they finally got a good team. Man, I'd love to see Bob Cole. Bob Cole elevates a game. He makes a lousy game exciting, uh, and he makes an exciting game phenomenal. And we've got an exciting team in Toronto. Man, it would be great to have, to listen to Bob Cole announce some Toronto Maple Leaf games. Anyways, uh, we've got to go to break. We've finally been able to connect with Dave Van Horn, the iconic uh, voice of the of the Montreal Expos. We'll be right back after break with Dave Van Horn. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams or special ops units. Go, 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 go. So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. CBLTickets.com is how you get your family up close and in the action. Canada is the new home for up-and-coming basketball talent. Good players, great basketball, international rules. Watch the Canadian Basketball League and make an exciting sports night for the whole family that won't break the bank. Go to cbltickets.com and purchase tickets starting as low as $15.50. cbltickets.com. Give the gift of basketball. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto and we're going from one legend to another legend. It's certainly been an, uh, a great morning for us on the Nazawali Sports Hour. Two legends of Canadian sports broadcasting history. First, Bob Cole, and now, of course, Dave Van Horn. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Very good, Naz and Wally. Good Thanks. to be with you on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. <laughs> beautiful anyway here in Florida. <laughs> uh, maybe, I was just about to say that. Maybe beautiful where you are, but uh, it's... Uh, it's uh, not so a, much there, huh? A little bit chillier, but at least it's not snowing here, so it's, it's not so bad. Uh, Dave, of course, go. as soon as we put you on the air, um, you really don't need an introduction. Your voice is a voice that is instantly recognizable to every... Uh, Every Canadian sports fan, and uh, although you are now the voice of the Miami Marlins, I would prefer to introduce you as the voice of the Montreal Expos, the f- former oh, voice. I'm proud of that. Of course you are, and uh, it, uh, you, you broadcast so many 
memorable moments that have stuck in my memory and Naz's memory and, of course, uh, all those years with the Expos. And, of course, you are also a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame 2011 Ford Frick Award uh, for Broadcasting Excellence. And it's a big week this week. It is Hall of Fame Announcement Week. And there are a couple of special gentlemen. Uh, and the first one we want to talk about, this is going to be an interesting week in Montreal Expo's history because there are two, two, two uh, people on the ballot uh, in contention to be admitted. And, of course, the first one we want to talk about is Tim Raines. This looks like the year, Dave. It's the year that finally Tim makes his deserved entrance into the Hall of Fame. Is that your sense of the matter? Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, One of the things that has always concerned me about the Hall of Fame voting is how much better over the years some players get from the time they retire until the time they're finally recognized as Hall of Famers. Uh, When they haven't swung a bat, caught a ball, stolen a base in all those years. But uh, that's beside the point. Uh, Rock is in his final year, and uh, it looks like this is the year that it's going to happen, and it'll be uh, uh, the crowning touch to his uh, his wonderful 23-year Major League uh, Baseball career. And, of course, we were privileged to be able to see the very start of it and see Reigns develop into the one of the most, most dominant uh, leadoff hitters uh, in the game. Tim, uh, Tim, uh, if he if he played in this era now, his on base percentage was the best ever in baseball. How would he do in in this day and age of baseball? Well, I I I really think that he was such a marvelous athlete that he would have succeeded uh, in any era, and I feel that way about uh, many of the Hall of Famers, especially the position players. But uh, certainly the, the Hall of Famers of, of the last uh, 20, 30 years, I think they could play in any era. I think that applies uh, to Tim Raines. What was, uh, uh, what was, what made Tim Raines a Hall of Fame ball player, and why has it taken so long for him to be admitted to the Baseball Hall of Fame? Yeah, the, the, the why has it taken so long, I can't explain. Um, I think in some years, going up against formidable others who are uh, eligible in a, in, a, in a given year. But as you know from having followed uh, the voting, it's just been in the last few years that he has really uh, uh, made some, some inroads. So uh, as I say that, I, I'm smiling to see that he's gotten so much better in the last three or four years than he was when he the day that he retired. So I can't explain that. That's something that uh, only the voters uh, collectively could uh, could possibly explain. But we were fortunate enough to see him uh, for basically the first 10 years of him being a regular player day in and day out in Montreal. And we know how he controlled the game. We know what his uh, abilities were. And uh, for that 10-year period, he hit over 300, uh, had 627 of his 808 uh, career stolen bases during that 10-year period. They always uh, use, uh, and we hear about it often, uh, uh, did he dominate his league for 10 years? I think that Tim uh, dominated his league for more than that, but certainly for the 10 years that I saw him, he was absolutely dominant. I think back to... uh, a quote that I, I picked up from Ricky Henderson back in 2011 at 
the, the dinner following the award ceremonies in Cooperstown. And I was talking to Ricky about Tim Raines, and uh, Ricky said, yeah, Tim Raines was Ricky after I was Ricky. <laughs> There's three so other... One of, those, one of those great lines from Ricky <laughs> Henderson, but nonetheless, while Henderson uh, dominated in the American League, Raines certainly did in the National League. Dave, there's three other guys that uh, are on the, or two other guys on the ballot that uh, mm-hmm. you, you saw closely. One was Vladimir Guerrero, who has a shot to get in, and the other is Pudge Rodriguez. Describe those two players. Well, Vladdy is one of the most exciting players we ever got to watch on a day-to-day basis. Uh, the way he played the game, the way Felipe Alou, his manager, actually had to slow him down so that he wouldn't get hurt. Uh, Vladdy played the outfield the way he did when he was 10, 11, 12 years old in the Dominican Republic. Anything that was hit in the air to the outfield was his ball. And so Vladdy would run everywhere and anywhere to try to catch a ball, sometimes into walls, sometimes into foul ground. And Felipe had to get his defensive game under control. And did he ever? He had that marvelous throwing arm, those big long arms, that sweeping swing, uh, so powerful. Uh, just a, a delight to, to watch uh, this young man grow into a, a Hall of Fame caliber player uh, in his early days with the Expos. Uh, Pudge Rodriguez? <clears throat> Pudge. I only saw him up close and personal for one year, but I always recognized his great talent. He played for 21 years, but only one year as a Marlin in 2003, and he made it a memorable year. Uh Pudge became the Marlins catcher when he was 31 years old, and uh, he had just a, a fantastic uh, postseason, and in particular in the National League Division Series, uh, the great play at the plate that ended uh, the Division Series against the Giants and sent the Marlins into the League Championship Series with the Cubs. Uh, Pudge was on the receiving end of that Jeff Conine throw when uh, J.T. Snow was thrown out at the plate for the final out of the game, uh, sending uh, the Expos to the uh, to the uh, Marlins to the next level. So that one year, got to see uh, Pudge Rodriguez, and he was a delight. He was easy to talk to, very outgoing and informative and a good storyteller. And uh, like Tim Raines, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, and like Vladimir, uh, just a great love of the game, loved the competition, loved playing the game, and was uh, always uh, easy to talk to. We're talking to Dave Van Horn. Dave Van Horn, of course, as soon as you hear the voice, instantly recognizable, recognizable, the beloved voice of the Montreal Expos. Uh, Dave, you're in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and every time there's a Baseball Hall of Fame uh, vote, there's always the controversial mm-hmm. figure of Pete Rose. And, of course, Pete Rose uh, formed part of uh, some of your calls were, uh, in fact, you called Pete Rose's 4,000th hit. Um, I had se- yeah, I had several of his milestone yeah. hits, but go ahead. Um, your opinion of whether Pete Rose should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Well, we're always allowed to change our minds, and uh, <laughs> somewhere along the line, uh, several years ago, I changed my mind. I do feel that he does belong in the Hall of Fame. I don't think you can have uh, a Hall of Fame and uh, eliminate um, uh, the the all-time hits leader. So, yes, I, I'm hoping that it'll happen someday. I hope it happens while Pete 
is still alive. I think he's gotten more and more support, actually, from current Hall of Famers, uh, who uh, just a few years ago uh, wanted no part of uh, Pete getting into the Hall of Fame. But since Pete has apologized, since he has owned up to his indiscretions in the uh, uh, gambling arena, why uh, I, I think that a lot of them have changed their mind, too. And I, I do think that, that Pete uh, uh, deserves a place uh, in the Hall of Fame. We've been talking to Dave Van Horn. Dave, uh, we want to thank you so much for taking this time uh, for us on a Sunday morning. Uh, certainly, your, your name and your voice evokes incredibly fond memories in, in these parts and in, in, the, in, in, the, in Canadian baseball fans. Uh, it, it brought back great memories for, for me because uh, whenever I get a guest, I usually go on YouTube and I YouTube some of, uh, some, of the, some of the great videos. And certainly looking back at some of your great calls and some of those great Montreal Expo days, certainly in the beginning with Le Grand Orange and following through with the great 19, uh, late 70 and early 80 teams and, the, and of course, the, uh, the tragedy, I will call it, of the 1994 Expos, the team that should have been World Series champions, certainly in preparation for this interview brought back an incredible amount of fantastic memories and some fantastic baseball times in Montreal. And certainly you were, uh, you were a huge, huge part of that. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, I thank you both, Naz and Wally. Uh, and I always uh, like to thank my partners. Uh, my partners helped me so much over the years. Russ Taylor in the beginning on radio, a Montreal native. And then, of course, uh, all those uh, years with uh, Duke Snyder and then Kenny Singleton. And I, I've just been very fortunate to have been blessed. My first year on television in Canada, Don Drysdale was my partner. I have just been so blessed with wonderful partners over those years, too. 32 years uh, in Montreal broadcasting Expos baseball, and I don't regret a moment of it. I have a warm spot in my heart, not only for Montreal, but for fans from coast to coast there who, who helped us get going in those uh, early years and one player that i want to mention and i hope there's going to be a lot more talk about him uh starting soon although it has uh, begun to be a little more than just a ripple on the water right now and that is larry walker larry walker a great canadian player the best instinctive player uh that i ever saw in the expos uniform uh player who didn't play that much baseball as a youngster but came on and had such a natural feel for the game and became a big, dominant player in every aspect of the game. Larry Walker uh, deserves strong consideration for the Hall of Fame. Dave, uh, we couldn't agree with you more. Thanks so much. And, uh, we're Thanks, guys. Thank you. We're certainly, Thanks, Dave. Certainly we were blessed to uh, all those years uh, listening to you from Montreal Expos. Thanks, Dave. Lewis, Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? You know, that's a question that's uh, out there for millions of people to answer. Well, you're a professional athlete. You were a professional athlete for lots of years. You are very successful, although uh, we kid about it, but you were a successful NHL player, and gambling is always an issue in professional. You, you, you obviously knew the rules when you were playing. You don't gamble. He gambled. You, you don't gamble on your own team at your. If you have any resolve in, in what the outcome of the game is going to be, you can't gamble. Well, he gambled. That, he he didn't. I mean, let's 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 be. And I'm I'm a believer that Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. I I just don't know how you keep 4,400 hits. Well, you can't out of, out of the Hall of Fame, and it's not. You know, you can't you can't make 
there's no evidence that he that he threw a game. Anybody who ever watched Pete Rose play knew that he if 100 percent. No, this guy was given 120 percent. Anybody in an All Star game who blows out a catcher trying to score a run in an All Star game, there was never a more competitive player in baseball than Pete Rose. There, you know what? And you're you're absolutely right. There really wasn't because I, I remember watching him with the big Cincinnati uh, big red machine there, and. Um, the one thing that caught my eye with with Pete Rose at that time is not only the uh, uh, when he ran over Ray Fossey in that uh, memorable All Star game, but the way he hustled to first base. That's his nickname, Charlie Hustle. Right. right? It, it, it was one of those things that you see ball players nowadays. It's more or less it's it's a it's they a lazy run, man's walk. It's a it's a lazy off. man's walk where he runs down to first base like he's stealing every base coming, and it's like. It was great watching him play. Now, but if he broke the rules, are they gonna are they gonna let Barry Bonds? Are they gonna let Mark McGuire? Different, ride? different. You know what? Go Why? ahead. Sorry, they, Ness. They go, ahead. Rule. go ahead. Ness. They, they McGuire the won't rule. get back in, but the Bonds is gonna get in. These guys are starting to get more votes. D- different set of in. rules. Different set of rules. Completely different analysis. Uh, what Barry Bonds and Clemens did impacted their stats. It's different. Completely different. What? Pete Rose was alleged to have done was bet on baseball when he was a manager. But did he so bet, you did can't he, did equate he bet, the two. You can't he, equate the two. Did he bet on the Cincinnati Reds uh, as they won in law? That is the big I believe he mark. was I don't think he I don't I correct me if I'm wrong, he was betting on the Reds or other teams to win, not to lose. He wasn't never bet on his own team to lose. Well, we don't know that. I, I think okay. we do oh, know that. No, we don't. I think that's no, in the it, it report. It would have been public knowledge if we would have known that. Oh, if he had a bet against his own team. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think you're you right. Yeah. If he bet on baseball, if he bet against any other team in that league except the Cincinnati Reds at that time, yeah. I don't think there's going to be no problem that yeah. Pete Rose I, 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 is going to be. I think why baseball is peed off at Pete Rose is there's a certain level of arrogance to the guy. Uh, there's a certain level of wiping it in baseball's nose when they had the Baseball Hall of Fame induction and he's half a mile away signing autographs and, and taking away, you know, like making himself the focal point when it, the focal point should have been on those guys. It was their day with their families and being inducted into Baseball's Hall of Fame and Pete Rose is hanging around. He's hanging around in Vegas, you know, and he's peed off uh the powers that be in baseball they don't want to extend this guy one courtesy at all do you because think he of was, that do you think he was doing that to piss them off on purpose well you know he's signing you know i i would you know yeah <laughs> well there okay. you go yeah if he had been inducted, aside from the fact he's making well, money off trading off of his name which you know he's entitled to do you know, but if he had been inducted into the baseball hall of fame at that time i don't think pete rose would have done what he was doing yeah, that's we we can spe- yeah we, we can speculate, speculate as, yeah. as much as we want, but uh, you know that's that's a debate for another day. I, I, Naz, I don't last, think we got thirty I, seconds. Last word I, to you. I don't think that uh, he, he bet against his own team. I can't see it, especially no, in, it's in not a competition. No. Gamblers are not like that. They they possess. If you if you're on a team and you say I'm going to bet five hundred dollars that we beat you, that's what that's the way they are. They're not going to bet against their own team. There's no way Pete Rose bet against his own team. Anyways, no unfortunately, we were in the middle of a hot debate, and unfortunately, we've uh, we're getting the X out sign from our producer, and Lou. I know you've got a charity uh, hockey game this afternoon in Perth, Ontario. 
Uh, you're going down there, alumni game, uh, safe travels. I know this is a great thing that you do, and our listeners should know that you do donate your time, a lot of time, uh, for these great causes, and we certainly congratulate you on that. Hey, Lou, there's a rumor that Batista is going to Cleveland along with Encarnacion. <laughs> we haven't got we'll time for that, that next. We'll talk, I hope he does. I'll, we'll, we'll talk, I'll buy the limo Guys, I, I got, I got to okay. cut you off. I gotta cut, I'm sorry. we got to go. It's, Anyways, sorry, guys. They're going to cut us off the air. Anyways, we you know, you just you give us that topic for a future show. We'll we'll go back with that. Listen, it's been a fantastic show. Dave Van Horn, Bob Cole. It doesn't get any better than that. Naz, have a fantastic week. Lou, have a fantastic week. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning at nine. Thank you so much. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.